0: Well, what's the gift that you give to somebody that has everything? And how much have you ever spent on a gift? An expensive gift. You know, you can go online and you can find some of the top 10 most expensive gifts ever. Do you know which one still ranks at the top? Some of you have been there. The Taj Mahal. One of the most famous historical places in the world. Everyone knows it's the most precious gift, so they say, given for a wife from her husband. It took about 22 years to make this historic place at a cost of 32 million Indian rubies, a huge sum at the time, still considered... According to the internet, the best, most expensive, extravagant gift ever given. Have you given an expensive gift? Did it take time to think about it? Do I really want to go through with this? What if they like it? What if they don't like it? Will they receive it? What if they don't receive it? How will they receive it? We've been going through the last several weeks on a series we're entitling, Sacrifice. Now, we've looked at various different parts of this thing called sacrifice. The first time we preached, it was on the character of sacrifice, how you can't have a testimony without a test. And we looked at Abraham and Isaac and the incredible test that he was faced with. And it wasn't so much a test of his strength, but a test of his dependence upon God. There's a difference. And we saw how life is the ultimate goal of all sacrifice. If you want to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for God and for the gospel, you will save it. We looked at the sacrifice of relationships And how God calls us to put him first, above even those closest of relationships. We saw how Christ walked alone, how his disciples and his family members, they thought he was crazy. They didn't understand. And how he walked alone, but how he was faithful to his father. We looked at the text That we must be willing to give up houses and father, mother, sister, brother, children, land for the sake of God and the gospel. And that's not always easy to do. But in so doing, the promise says we'll receive a hundredfold. We looked two weeks ago at physical sacrifice. And this prosperity gospel, which is a thousand miles away from reality. That following God can be hard, it can be difficult, it can be challenging. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good courage, for I overcome the world. We talked about how God wants to hear you in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your difficult circumstance, to sing, even in the inner prison, as Paul and Silas did to glorify God in your trials, to proclaim to the world, even in this situation, I will continue to trust in Him in the midst of physical sacrifice. And then today's piece, the sacrifice of the Son as we think about communion. And then next week, we'll look at the sacrifice of self-reliance, sacrifice of means and pleasures, the sacrifice of pride, how sacrifice is required, And lastly, the sacrifice of the gospel. So we're still just kind of getting underway here. But the sacrifice of the Son, what is the purpose? And I would suggest to you the means of salvation is a very expensive gift, very costly gift. And we're going to try and make this a little bit shorter today, obviously, because of the communion service, but you... Just go back in your mind's eye. We've read the passages before. We're not going to go back to Genesis. But think of this perfect world before sin entered. See there, Gary and Bryce, there's even some trout there in heaven. But you already knew that. And it was said, you can go anywhere in the garden except for this tree. Don't touch the fruit from this tree. But as you know the story, Eve picked the fruit. And everything changed. They had to leave that garden. And so sin entered the world. And so Jesus, the creator of the universe, chooses to come in the flesh to this sin-filled, broken planet. In fact, all the way through from Genesis to Revelation, it is God's way, God's means, His method to restore lost humanity and the sacrifices he's willing to pay. Yes, he sent prophets. Yes, he sent messengers. Yes, he sent his word. But he sent something far better than any of those. He sent his son, the good shepherd. And if we took time, and we're not going to, but in, in Luke chapter 15, you know the story of the 100 the sheep or the 99 sheep and the one that's lost. Just an excerpt from there, it says, go after the one, referring to the shepherd, he will go after the one which is lost until he finds it, until he finds it. That word until encompasses the eternity of determination. In other words, at any cost, I will find you until I will keep searching and searching and pursuing until I find you. We we serve a God, yes, he respects our freedom of choice, but he's relentlessly pursuing you and I, and it came to the point he couldn't take it anymore, and he couldn't just send another messenger, he couldn't just send another prophet, but he had to come in the flesh, in search of you and I. Desire of Ages says it this way, he would save man at any cost to himself. Think about who this is. The creator of the universe that made all creatures, all incredible things of nature and knit them all together, all the things of space, all the things of, of every, everything that you look at, every flower, every detail. And he says that was nothing in cost in comparison, but I'll save man at any cost to myself. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, do you not know that you are not your own for you were bought at a price, a high price, an expensive gift, you're not your own, but you were bought at a price. If you brought your Bibles, I want to look briefly at Philippians chapter 2, 5 and 8, or 5 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, as we get a glimpse of the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, beginning verse 5, it says, Let or allow this mind or this attitude to be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's all you can do, by the way. It doesn't say, give it your best shot or your best effort or pull yourself up by your bootstraps. No, you just let. Let God do something. Allow God to do something in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because he was God. but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant or a slave and coming in the likeness of men. Some versions say he emptied himself. He made himself of no reputation. He stripped himself of all privilege, some translate it. He made himself nothing, is maybe what your translation says. He laid aside his mighty power and his glory, say another. And being found the appearance of a man, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the most despicable, torturesome, painful, brutal death, a death on a cross. And what made this gift so costly, so expensive? What truly did Christ give up? Well, for one, he gave up his omnipotence, his being all-powerful. We see here in John 5, verse 30, I can of myself do how much? Nothing. The words of Jesus, can Jesus lie? He says, I of myself can do nothing. Think about all the things that he did. Through the power of the Father. He says, I of myself can do nothing. Nothing. John 14, 10, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father, completely dependent on his Father, no longer having his omnipotence, all-powerful. I don't know if you work in the business world, but if you're up at the top, if you're the president of the corporation or the vice president or whatever it might be, to go backwards, we don't like those conversations. In fact, we'll go work someplace else before we go backwards sometimes. He gave up his omnipotence. He gave up his memory. This is getting a little scary. And Jesus increased, it says in Luke two fifty two. He increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He increased in his wisdom. You would think he would come with all of his wisdom, but he didn't come with all of his wisdom. He had to learn. He had to study. He had to claim the same Bible promises that you and I have to do. He had to depend on the Father for strength and for power and he increased in his wisdom. Desire of Ages says he gained knowledge as we may do. The mystery of the mission was opening to the Savior. What would that have been like? To be studying with Jesus the youth and you come to certain parts of Scripture that we read with joy. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son? Does that, does that mean, that means me. So he gave up his omnipotence. He gave up his memory. He gave up his foreknowledge of what was to come. Of that day and hour, Mark 13, 32, no one knows nor the Son. We read desire of ages, before he came to the earth, the plan lay before him, but as he walked among men, he was guided step by step by the Father's will. Before he came, he knew the whole plan, but as he was here, he had to continue to trust God step by step as he revealed it. Same as us. There were times he probably didn't understand. In fact, we know there were times Father, if there's any other way that doesn't make any sense, please. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's pleading with God. But he follows faithfully in his father's footsteps, step by step. Knowing what the Bible says, knowing what the promises are. Also, his omnipresence everywhere at once. I don't know what this is like but I think I'd like to try it. You could be at church and at home sleeping at the same time. You could be at the in-laws with your wife and you could be out with friends fishing at the same time. How about that, Bryce? Omnipresence, his ability to be everywhere all at once. That's something I can't wrap my mind around. Yet he gave that up. I'm going to be in one place. John 16, 7. It's to your advantage that I go away, he says. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. The advantage is the fact that the helper can be everywhere at once. I cannot. I'm only talking to you. Cumbered with humanity, Christ could not be in every place personally. Therefore, it was for the interest that he should go to the Father. And send the Spirit to be his successor on earth. And so he gave up his omnipotence. He gave up his memory. He gave up his foreknowledge. He gave up his omnipresence. And he gave up his glory. Think about that. Isaiah 53, 2. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. I would assume from that statement that there are many here this morning that were more attractive, that are more attractive in their looks than Jesus was. There was nothing outwardly that attracted people to him. And you compare that in light of the incredible glory that was his in heaven. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, He was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. It's this inversion of the gospel yet again. He gives it all up, not just a little, but all of it. He gives it up and sacrifices it. This is his view every morning. I'm sure it's a lot better than that, actually. This is the glory of the sun. Best we can try to imagine it. And he gives that up to come to a place that looks like this. And not just to come to a place that looks like this, but to be treated the way he was treated. I don't know if you're accustomed to be being treated well. I know oftentimes people that are accustomed to being treated very well have a really hard time with anything but that. Yet he subjected himself to people spitting in his face. Yelling obscenities to him. Saying that his motives were off or wrong or false. That he was a liar. That the truth was not in him. that he was crazy, his family said. Yes, Jesus gave up all. What does the hymn say? Jesus gave it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He didn't give some. He didn't sacrifice a little. He didn't cash in some stocks here, some bonds there. He didn't let this planet go or this solar system go. He gave it all. He put it all on the line with no guarantee that it would be successful. So Philippians 2, let's read it again. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant or slave and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, verse 9, God also has highly exalted him And given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is a radical concept that is key to total surrender and self-sacrifice, to true faith, to victorious Christian living. It's the secret of this church and the world. Let this mind be in you. Let this same spirit of sacrifice and humility be found in you. It doesn't say strive, it says let. Yes, Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. And he asks us to sacrifice today as well. But in light of what he did, in light of what he gave up, in light of the turmoil and the struggle and the pain and the hardship of your sin and my sin and the world's sin weighing down upon him, how do we think we can complain about our sacrifice, our struggle? Wah, poor me. I have it so rough, so hard. What's the verse we've been looking at? Looking at? Mark 8, 35. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. The harder you try to save it, probably the more you'll lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Will find it. Will be filled We'll know what it's like to truly live. What does that mean to you that Jesus emptied himself for you? I mean, think about it. When Jesus gave himself, how much did he have left? How much? What else could he give? What more could he give? No, he gave it all. There was nothing left. And yet we like to say, God, here's my life, but don't tell me who to date. God, here's my life, but don't tell me how to spend my money. Here's my life, but don't ask me to make a stand at work for the Sabbath and to sacrifice financially for the Sabbath. Don't ask me to do that. That's too much. Don't ask me to change my diet. That's too much. But God, here's my life but don't tell me how to dress or adorn myself or what to watch or how to spend my time. You know, it sounds like the children of Israel. They made the golden calf to worship God. We'll worship you, God, but we'll do it our way, in our fashion, the way we want to, and we'll sacrifice the amount that we feel is appropriate. But don't ask too much. What kind of gift is salvation? Friends, it's an expensive gift. It was expensive for God. And it can seem expensive for us at times. But we came across this in our prayer meeting this week. Christ's Object Lessons 393. Christ did not ask a greater sacrifice than he himself had made. Is that true? Does Christ ask more of us than he did himself? If he did, I can easily be the first one to protest and say, this isn't fair, this is too much. Flag on the play. But there is not one thing that any of us can go through that he himself has not had to a greater degree, a greater sacrifice. Therefore, the challenge for me is to be able to claim this verse. Galatians 2.20, one of my favorites. I have been, and you have to claim it for yourself, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what we need to claim every day. I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Jesus, you live in me. Help me to sacrifice as you sacrifice. Help me have the faith as you had faith. Help me to love as you loved, and to give up myself as you gave up yourself for me. Have you ever heard of live donor liver transplant? I have to confess, I hadn't until just yesterday. It's a life-saving option for many suffering from end-stage liver disease, which isn't a good thing. It was first tried successfully in a child in 1989. Children are easier, I am told, to give livers to because you only need 25% of the healthy liver to be taken. Now, keep in mind, that's taken from a live person, and it's supposed to grow back, and the other is supposed to grow in the other. However, adults can also give to adults, but it's riskier because you have to take 60% of the live person's liver and give to the person who is in need of it. Ironically, one of the things the liver does is purify the blood. By 1996, only 6 people, get my thumb up here, had performed had been performed on this surgery or gone through this surgery. By 2001, the number had grown to 412, but by 2010, six years ago, more than 2,800 adults had had this adult-to-adult procedure in this country, the United States. And so it was on that same year, 2010, that Ryan, pictured here on the side with his family, found out that he was a match for his brother Chad. For years, Chad had been sick. He'd been jaundiced. His color was not good. He was suffering from a dying liver that had swelled three times its normal size. And so Ryan checked. Sure enough, he's a match. And so on Wednesday, July 28, 2010, the University of Colorado Hospital, the family spent time together in prayer. They practiced communion Gave a final embrace as Chad, the sick brother, whispered to Ryan, I owe you my life. To which Ryan responded with his sense of humor, Piece of cake, brother, piece of cake. The next day, they took two thirds of Ryan's healthy liver. Almost immediately, after the surgery after Chad received it he felt better and he was excited he was back in his room he was celebrating his color already looked better His brother Ryan was doing well too He was taken out of the ICU on Friday He was just down the hall from Chad But Sunday morning things took a turn for the worse Ryan coded There you see a hug there after the surgery But Ryan coded. He was resuscitated, but it was soon determined that after all that had gone on, there was no brain activity with Ryan. And so the following day, it was determined that they were going to have to pull the plug and lay Ryan to rest, leaving his wife, his sons, his brother, and family behind. And it was after that that Chad put this text in his journal. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That's what he put in his, his journal. And as he recounts how he heard the news, his father came in to deliver the news. He entered the room where Chad was sleeping, and he grabbed his toes to wake him up like he always did, even when he was a boy. And he said ever so gently, Ryan's brain is dead, but we still serve a good God. And John says in his own words here, after hearing the news from my dad, I wanted to rip out all the tubes and IVs and jump from the hospital window. But he says, but I wasn't living for myself anymore. To throw his life away would be disrespectful to the gift. Friends, is there any area in your life that is disrespectful of the gift? that is disrespectful to the price that was paid. If so, by the grace of God, I ask you in this communion service to pray a simple and humble prayer and to stop. I know there's someone here who has drifted from God. I didn't say you stopped coming to church, you're here. But you're here physically, but you have drifted from God and God knows and you know And your lifestyle is anything but the lifestyle of a Christian. But you want to come back. You've drifted from God. But you want to come back under the legal protection of Jesus Christ. The price that was paid and your soul that was bought with his own blood. If so, simply humble yourself. Let this mind be in you. Humble yourself and simply say, by the grace of God, I want to let the mind of Christ be in me. I ask for cleansing of forgiveness today. And by God's grace, I no longer, I no longer want to be disrespectful to that gift. Ask yourself, Lord, I don't want to throw your life away. I don't want to disrespect the gift. Help me today to renew my commitment to you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to remember the incredible and ultimate sacrifice that you gave for us. May we not in any way disrespect this expensive gift. In your name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons,